You're now listening to Locked On 76ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we're going to be talking about whether Joel Embiid has a legitimate chance to win MVP. Let's get into it. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, 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 welcome into Locked On 76ers. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, Joel Embiid. We are going to be talking about his relationship with Tyrese Maxey and that growth. And we're also going to be talking about an upcoming matchup with the Los Angeles Lakers and what that means for Philadelphia moving forward. I am Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire, and I got the OG with me, Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith, what's going on, man? What's good, young boy? How you been? I've been good, man. I'm good. You know, just I got to work out the gym today. You know, just I'm I'm, I'm feeling all right. It's always good to, to get that type of exercise in. You know. Yeah, I know that's right. I know that's right. Did you did you break any ankles though? Oh no no no! I don't got that type of game. OG, I got that YMCA old man game. Man, you're too young for that, bro. You, <laughs> I wouldn't even admit it. <laughs> Listen, I'm 28, and that's how I play. I I pump fakes, yeah, and just it's it's a fundamental game. (laughs) Okay, all right, (laughs) okay, Larry Bird. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. I know, right? I know, right? (laughs) All right, all right, Keith, Keith, Keith. So then, let's just get into this one, man. Like, I got a question for you. We are 47 games now into this year. Thursday will be the 48th. Joel Embiid has been absolutely dominant. He's averaging 29 points a game. He's up there with the best scores in the league. And Shaquille O'Neal had a quote the other day saying that Joel is the baddest dude in the league right now, and he should be the MVP this season, despite only being a number six seed in the East. Do you agree with him? Do you think Joel has a shot to win MVP, despite Philadelphia not being so high in the standings? You know, it's weird. That's a great question, because to be honest with you, I really haven't thought about it yet. I mean, I, I mean, uh, uh, that's not true. Like, I've thought about it, but I haven't really thought in detail. Like, typically, I'm a guy who gets a vote, right? Right. So I kind of like, you know, things could change. You know, the only thing is, I guess, is is based off the Sixers' record, and and you know, I, I think like if they're like hovering and and if they if he's balling, and the Sixers like you know right now they're six, they finished seventh. And then he's like in the playing game. It's kind of hard to say he's the MVP because he scored a lot of points on a playing game team, you know, tournament, right? You know what I mean, team. Right. Um, so you know, it 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 it's a little it's tough, but but the stuff that he's doing, I will have to say that you know you can argue that he's been the most dominant player in the NBA in the NBA over the past month. You know? Yeah, and I and I was thinking about this too. The last time we saw like a guy this dominant, but his team wasn't all that good and he won MVP was Russell Westbrook in 2017. The Thunder were a sixth seed in the West, but Russ ended up getting MVP because, you know, that was the first triple double uh, season since, you know, the big O. So do you, do you feel like maybe Joel could maybe have the same type of respect from the voters the way Russell did in that MVP year with the Thunder. I mean, it could, but again, like if, I mean, so with Russell and them, they finished, would you say what place did they come out? They were sixth. 
they were six. I mean, it, it could, but it, it's basically like, you know, let, let, let's look at Kevin Durant right now. Let's say if KD comes back, right? Right. I mean, when right. he comes back, and if he's still, like, the scoring champion and they're number two, it's kind of hard to say Embiid is the MVP if they're in the playing game, playing tournament. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that Westbrook thing. See, the thing about that Westbrook thing is it was historic. Like, you know, it was that's the season when he averaged a triple double, correct? Yeah. Um, you know, he was doing stuff, you know, since Oscar Robert Robertson. Um, so it, it it's like, you know, it was that too, you know, and, and a lot of people thought that James Harden should have won it that year, remember? Yeah, you know, so so it's one of those things where I think it's tough. Now, again, I get it. We all see the games. We all get swept away. We all say everything and see and say, like, you know, how great he is and how uh, dominant a big man he is. And we're comparing him to Wilt and we're doing all that. I'm just saying that, you know, it, it to me, it's going to come down to how good the 76ers are. And, yeah. and I know it's not based on the team sport. But it's hard for me to give it to them if they're the seven to finish seventh or eighth. I hear that. And you know what? I kind of agree to a certain extent because at that point you have to sit there and ask and be like, okay, well, how valuable are you? You know what I'm saying? Because because your team is struggling a little bit, right? Now, I, I like the, here's like another point though. If you are the baddest dude in the league right now, the way Joel is just literally throwing the Sixers on his back, despite the Ben Simmons saga and all the injuries and all the COVID issues this team has had, you know, one could make the case that they could be higher than six right now. They could probably be somewhere hovering around four. Right. So that's kind of like, that's kind of like an, another argument that one could make the, the scene kind of got derailed by stuff they really can't control. So who knows? I mean, like maybe this team could have been like a little bit higher if they just didn't get hit with some bad luck. But on the flip side, you could also say it wasn't just the Sixers. Everybody, pretty much everybody in the NBA got hit by COVID and injuries this year. And you can't go by the coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know what I mean? And I also, like, if Ben Simmons was here, you know, it probably probably wouldn't have had been able to do this because the spacing and and a lot of other issues could have occurred, right? So – you know, what I mean, I, I get what people are saying, but I also think that, you know, it, you you can't. I mean, you got to you, you got to grade him on who's on the floor with him. You can't say, "Wow, he's having a great year." You know, they would the team would be better without you know without uh, I mean, if they would have made a trade, if they would have had uh Ben Simmons, and if the guys didn't have COVID, I, I get all that. But you, we got to base it off of like you said before, off of. You know who they have. It's kind of like, look, Dame Lillard's one of the best guards in the league, right? Right. All NBA right. talent. But Dame Lillard really didn't play this year, nor did Kawhi Leonard. So do we say, like, all right, if everything was equal, they would be all stars. You know, they would be all NBA. So like, you you know, you gotta like grade them on what's you know what what, what their present situation is, not what they uh they potentially could do with a full team and if they're out there you know what i'm saying like, I yeah think dame, i think dame's the man but i i, I didn't vote him for all-star you know what right, I mean? <laughs> right. yeah no i get that and like that's always kind of like the cruel game of the nba right like there are so many times where it's just like 
you can't really play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game because no matter how good you are, you kind of are a reflection of your team in a way, right? Be- because because it's like, like you can be a, a really good player, but if your team is only like the six seed, the five seed, whatever, then and, and you could be putting up some crazy numbers. And back to what I was saying earlier, how how good does that really make you? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I feel I feel like that that could definitely play a factor. And and really, uh, like I know a lot of people brought up Ross. I, I mean, I saw it on Twitter a couple of times today. Um, and I, so I thought it was just real interesting because, like, people really did try to bring up Ross. But as you mentioned, Westbrook had that was a historic season. Like we hadn't seen nobody average a triple double since, you know, Oscar Robertson. And on top of that, Russ was, it, it was just really an incredible run that he had. And also this, the Thunder were kind of in a different spot. The Thunder were expected to be at the bottom of the league um, after Kevin Durant left. And instead, you know, they just happened to make the playoffs. The Sixers kind of were just in a different situation so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, because you look at it, like I'm looking at the year that Harden did win it. You know, in truth, it's just crazy. So, look, 2018, Harden was MVP, right? He yeah. he, he, he averaged 30.4 points. The following year, now his team, you know, played phenomenally that year. Like, that, that's the year, you know, they went to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. The next year, he averaged 36.1. The year after that, he averaged 34.3. But wow. basically wow. – he got the MVP because his team was successful. You understand? Like his, he led his team to the East, I mean, Western Conference Finals. So to me, like, you know, like it's just tough to like validate giving somebody MVP when their team is like, like you know, struggling like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, at some point, you know, he's got the Sixers are going to have to be able to move up in the standings in order for Joel to truly be considering the MVP conversations there a little bit. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about Joel Embiid and his relationship with Tyrese Maxey. Also with Seth Curry, we're going to talk about Seth. We're going to talk about Tyrese. That relationship has a growth. But first, we're going to hear from Bet Online AG. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. As we look ahead to the NFL championship games next weekend in each conference, I happen like the Los Angeles Rams as a three and a half point favorite over the San Francisco 49ers at home after knocking off the defending champions in the divisional round. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and Locked On NBA will be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, and NBA veteran Antonio Daniels and get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. All right, Keith, so the Sixers have been you know as we talked about they've been dealing with a lot of injuries right you know up and down COVID issues everything else in between um but they, they've they still found ways to win games recently mainly because Joel has been terrific but the, there's one thing that kind of stands out to me over the last couple of games and it's the fact that 
man, this team is really missing their ball handlers. You know, like you're, they're they're certainly missing Seth Curry and, and they're missing Shake Milton and just, just because they need somebody to kind of handle the ball a little bit more. I mean, Tyrese Maxey, again, he's in his second year. And I feel like there were a couple of times in the Pelican game on Tuesday where, you know, the Pelicans kind of turned him around a little bit, even going even before reaching half court. And I feel like that that was a little bit of an issue. And I feel like other than Seth's shooting, that's where they're kind of missing Seth Curry the most. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the, the problem is, I mean, well, and here's the thing, like, you know, Seth Curry, I, I like Seth Curry and all that, but let's not, like, make it seem like, I mean, they do miss him, but they need someone better than him, like, in yeah, regards to stuff like that, yeah. So, you know, they need someone like that, like, you know, and, and, and it, you know, it's just, you know, right about now we look at it and you realize that they just, they just need a true ball handler that, you know, yeah. to, to free things up, you know, cause you know, he's the type of guy like last year, you know, you, you had a ball handler, he got to his spot, they give him the ball and bang. Now it's like, this is when it tells you that the lack of depth at that position is. You got him playing it, the one. You got Furcon playing the one. You yeah. know, you had Shake. I mean, yo, Tobias, uh, Joel bringing the ball up. So, yeah, they really do miss that. You know, they they do. And But the thing is, it's weird because, you know, we're talking about a guy who, yes, he can play the one. I mean, he came up as a point guard. Right. But then right. he moved to the off the ball. And right now we're looking at him and, looking at him and Furcon as like the best options <laughs> you know what I mean and then when they're not there they really miss them so to me it's just it's, it's just a little ro- a roster deficiency they just got a lot of combo guards and a lot of uh wings and stuff like that and, and let's face it most of these guys if you made it in the NBA and you're a guard for the most point there's some point in your career coming up that you ran the one yeah you were a point because you just you were just that much better than other people in certain levels, so you know they can handle. It's just can you handle and can you lead from that position um, in the NBA? And and you know they just need they just need some help with that. You know they need some help. Yeah, there, there's definitely there's definitely a roster deficiency there, um, because it's just like it's and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the last episode with Tobias. If the Sixers had an actual ball handler. And um, that and just that would allow Tobias to be able to make those quick decisions that Doc is always talking about: catch, shoot, or catch one dribble to the basket layup. So yeah, I feel, definitely feel like that there there's a little bit of a deficiency there. Now here's another thing that kind of stood out after the win over New Orleans. Joel Embiid said that he wants to kind of build a two man partnership with Tyrese Maxey, and he mentioned his growth with JJ Redick when JJ was here, and it kind of. That's what kind of caught my ear, Keith, because you and I were kind of talking about it even before we hopped on, you know, Tyrese Maxey and JJ Redick are two totally different players. Yeah, that that when he said that, that kind of caught me off guard. Now, maybe, you know, I can see the the tandem. Yeah. Um, you know, in in, in regards to uh, you know, I, I, I can see I can see the tandem in, in regards to talking about you know, him and Ben Simmons building a relationship like that. But when you start talking about J.J. Reddick, like when I think of Embiid and J.J. Reddick, I think of Embiid 
playing, uh, doing dribble handoffs and stuff like that to J.J. who firing threes. You know, I don't look at that at, as Maxie's game right now. Now, I can see them maybe doing some pick and rolls and stuff like that or, at, you know, Maxie finding him and, and things. But I think that's going to have to grow and develop. But, you know, right about now, I just don't look at, you know, when he said that, I, I just don't see him and J.J. as the same, you know, type of guy. You know what I mean? Like, J.J.'s a way better shooter. But Maxie's way more athletic and can do a lot of other things that J.J. can't do, you know. But, you know, I understand what you're saying. Because, remember, he also said that he wanted him and him and Steph to have that type of relationship that him and J.J. had. So, you know, I, I just don't see it. Yeah, it makes more sense. More, uh, it makes more sense that he has it with Seth, just because Seth is the the shooter, and I feel like Joel and Seth's uh, two man game has actually grown to maybe even be a little bit more impressive than JJ's, just a little bit, just because Seth I feel like can handle the ball a little bit more. Um, I feel like just in terms of shooting, you know, the two of them, JJ and Seth, are just on the same level. They're just both incredible shooters but when it comes to that two-man game with anybody on this roster it's definitely best with Seth just because he can handle the ball and, and shoot in a little bit and everything now when it comes to Tyrese who knows maybe if Tyrese were, were to be able to continue to actually shoot three-pointers because that's something this team has been trying to get him to do a little bit more Joel said it I think uh um after he actually said it a bunch of times after games but it was more apparent after that Toronto game when Tyrese struggled uh, and then Tyrese was able to bounce back against Brooklyn and be able to have a big game. So, and Doc said it before the Miami game uh, on January 15th that again, he's they're all trying to get Tyrese to shoot the ball more. So, if Tyrese shot the ball more, Keith, and who knows, it could definitely work out, but I don't see it right now with him and with him and JJ at least. Nah, um, nah, um, you know, it, it, like, it, that's something that he, he's going to grow into. Now, I will say this that he has. You know, been a little clutch, clutch as of lately, like coming up with some big threes and, and that's been working, um, you know, but, you know, and, and the one thing is that maybe, if you know, we, we, we think about MB saying, I want it to, it to develop, develop into it, maybe, but I just don't see that as his game. I, I mean, I can see him hitting threes and sticking threes and stuff like that occasionally but I, I just don't see that as part of his game now again like I said you know he hit a, a big three late in the game against the Spurs you know he, he did that some other games um, but you know when I look at him I see a guy that can you know create his own shot kick the ball out you know he's developing that a guy creates his own shot kick the ball cook the ball out to open um, teammates you know sometimes when He'll pass the ball to divide to Tobias or Joel, and he'll do a little curl, and then he's left wide open in the wing. And next thing you know, bang! You know, what I mean, he can do that. But as far as like, okay, we're gonna run this play, and we're gonna, you know, this and that. I, I just don't see that in this game. I also think that something like that could kind of like, I'm not saying stun his growth a little bit, but I think that he's a dy dynamic athlete, dynamic player that he can, the best thing you want him to do is do a little bit of everything. And when you focus too much on that, it's like, it might mess him up. Because like, now again, you know, right now, you know, the hope is, and I'm not trying to take it elsewhere, but the hope is like guys like Isaiah Joe, Seth, Seth Curry, when he comes back, uh, Furkan, 
those are guys that's going to be more of that. Whereas he can be a guy that, hey, when the opportunity presents itself, a la Matisse, right, you know, you right. want the, those are the type of guys you want them to be able to step in and drain that three. You know what I mean? Because then you know they're going to be left open, you know. But in regards to saying, all right, we down five. I mean, we down one with five seconds left. Joel, everybody's going to focus on you, Maxi. We're running the play for you to get open. Yeah, we want you to fire the three. Nah, I don't think they're there. You know what I mean? I don't think that's anywhere close, you know? No, I definitely agree with that. Tyrese definitely isn't there at that point just yet. All right, y'all. Coming up next, we are going to be talking about the Sixers' big matchup with the Los Angeles Lakers on Thursday. But first, let's hear from our Locked On NBA podcast network. All right, Keith, so the Lakers are now coming into Wells Fargo Center, right? This is the second game of a five-game homestand. They're just coming off a win over the New Orleans Pelicans. But as you said, that Pelican team, that, 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 wasn't, that wasn't a very, very good Pelican team with them missing so many players. And the Lakers are going to be coming in here despite their struggles. They're sitting at 24 and 24. They're the eight seed in the West right now. They still have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. So what do you think that what do you think this game means to Philadelphia in terms of really trying to figure out what this team can be? You know, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think like I mean, I think it's, it's going to be a test for both teams to see what they have. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it looked like Danny Green is questionable. So questionable in the NBA, especially with Sixers injury report, when a guy is out means that he's he's trending towards playing most times. Right. Right. So I mean, right. you'll, you'll you'll have the, you'll have Hill back, but, but I think it's it's going to be able to show us what both teams have in a way to see because when you look at it, yes, the Lakers beat Brooklyn one hundred six to ninety six um, on Tuesday night, but let's keep it one hundred. Durant didn't play, Kyrie didn't play. It was James Harden and the boys, right? Right. And then right. before that, they lost. Talking about the uh, the Lakers, they lost to Miami. And then their other win came. Then before that, they beat uh, Orlando, lost to Indiana, beat Utah. That was a quality win. Yeah. So my thing is, I don't really know what they have. I know that they have LeBron James. I know that Anthony Davis is back. But they don't exactly look like a team that is favored, that, that was favored to win it, win it. Like, you know, you got LeBron averaging 29-1, second in the league. Stanley Johnson starting Anthony Davis, Avery Bradley, and uh, Westbrook. I mean, the main question is, is Westbrook going to be on the floor in the fourth quarter? You right. know, that's the question. But I don't know, man. I, I think for both teams, it's going to be a barometer, so to speak. Yeah, I'm, I think it's going to be a little bit more for the Lakers as well, just because I think I saw a stat that LeBron Davis and Westbrook have only played 16 games together this season. Now, granted, in those 16 games, those three players haven't exactly gelled on the floor. But regardless, 16 games in an 82-game season, like, you know, just to look at it from a broader scale, is not that big of a sample size to really judge what these three guys can do. Now, granted, Russ has been up and down as hell. I mean, this guy, it's, just, it's been so weird to, to really just watch him play just because – we all know what he brings to the table. Um, he's a triple-double machine. He 
he takes he takes a lot of bad shots you know he's a he's a volume shot taker he thinks he's a better shooter than what he is but at the end of the day Westbrook is you know he's going to the hall of fame so it's not like he's some scrub but he also doesn't fit there with LeBron James just because when you have a LeBron led team you need a bunch of shooters to put around that guy because LeBron is so elite being able to get downhill make passes to others get them open for uh for three pointers and that's just not Westbrook's game so I look at the Lakers, Keith, and now that AD is back, it's January 27th, you know, like that there's going to be a lot of eyes on the Lakers heading into the all-star break and then heading into the playoffs, that stretch run. I feel like this game definitely means a lot more to LA than it does to Philadelphia right now. Yeah, I I, I would agree. I mean, you, you want to see how they, how this is going to work out, you know, um, you know, you, you want to see that. And, you know, the one thing, too, is let, let's forget it. Like, Dwight Howard is probably may even be amped up to come back here to play against. Not about him, yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, yeah, I think, I mean, I agree because, see, the Sixers, you know, the, the Sixers, yeah, they want to win and, and they want to get stuff together and, and they want to elevate and, and they want to, you know, every game is important. But when we look at the Lakers, it's kind of sort of like, Everybody's saying what happened to them, you know, what, what's going on? Like, you know, like, uh, man, I, I thought they were supposed to be better, you know? Right. And, right. and but, but I'm going to tell you this though, my man, the thing that we need to pay attention to, this is going to be this, the sixth game that Joel Embiid has gone up against Anthony Davis. Right. Okay. You know, yeah. Joel Embiid has won four, four of those games for the four to one. Now, the crazy part about it, when you look at their, their averages, they're extremely similar, right? Mm-hmm. Embiid has averaged 21.6 points, 10.8 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1.2 steals, and two blocks. Anthony Davis has averaged 21.2 points, 11.8 rebounds, 2.4 assists, 1.2 steals, and 2.2 blocks. Now, if there was ever a time that stats lie that's it because (laughs) Embiid has appeared at least lately like in the beginning recently to get the best of them like I remember the first time they played against each other was when AD was with the Pelicans and AD had 26.2611 Embiid had 14.7 second time they played AD had 31 and 16, and Embiid had 11 6. Mm. From that point forward, Embiid has really gotten the best of them. Like the next time they played, AD had 12 and 16. No, AD had 14 and 8, and Embiid had 24 and 16. Huge. The next time, next time, AD had 12 and 16, and Embiid had 31 and 19. Wow. Then, then uh, the last time, they played it was a little bit closer but mb still dominated them it was 23 and 8 for ad and then beat had 28 and 6 so you know what i mean that's the thing that i really want to pay attention to to see who wants to smoke <laughs> yeah right right that's gonna be so interesting to really watch and like other than the joel and ad matchup you, you got to think that maybe the, the Matisse and LeBron matchup would probably be something that kind of would stand out to people, right? Because 
Matisse did such a great job against Steph Curry when the Warriors were here. He did a really good job against the Jays up when Boston was here against Tatum and Brown. When it comes to LeBron, you you know Matisse is going to get that assignment. Now, LeBron, as you mentioned, he's sort of a freak of nature. The dude's averaging 29-1 a game. Um, Are you looking forward to that Matisse-LeBron matchup as much as I am? I mean, I am, but, you know, it's it's weird because, you know, I am, but I don't know if if it's one of those things where, like, you you also have, like, you got Westbrook, too, now. Yeah. So, like, you know, if you want to pit Matisse, like, strictly on – on LeBron, then who's going to guard Westbrook? You, you know what I mean? Like, right? Like, who do you have? Like, I mean, maybe what Dan? You you may put Danny Green on him. You know, I I just think that I think it's just going to be one of those games where it's not going to be Matisse on him exclusively. I think we'll see Matisse like go on him from time to time, but I think that. You know, right now, especially Danny Green coming back from a hip injury, if he does play, I, th- I think that, like, you don't want him to be on this dude that's going to go downhill attacking all the time. But you're right. When Matisse played him the first time, I was on the phone talking to somebody today, this morning, and I was like, yeah, you know, he had two steals on him. He did, you know, he played well. I'm not going to say he frustrated LeBron, but what he did is he just let LeBron know that, yo, you're going to have to, Put some respect on my name. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely going to have to. That, that, that's that, that's who Matisse Thibault is. All right, guys, thank you so much for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. For the OG, Keith Pompey, I'm Kai Carlin. We're out. We'll see you guys next time.